Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows you. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Hope you're doing well and staying safe. Jaden Grant, defensive back for the Oregon State University football team, is going to be my guest on this edition of Sports Business Radio. I've known Jaden his entire life as his dad, former NBA star Brian Grant, is a close friend. I worked for Brian for over a decade. He played for the Portland Trailblazers and the Miami Heat. Jaden is quite an impressive young man. I wanted to get the perspective of a student athlete who is playing during a pandemic. Last week, we talked to Eric Musselman, the head coach of the University of Arkansas, got the coach's perspective. What does it look like from the athlete's perspective? And it's not just about playing during a pandemic. So many other things going on, social justice initiatives, the rights for student athletes. And then Jaden walked on at Oregon State, earned a scholarship for the football team. Just an impressive young man. And I think you'll enjoy his perspective on this edition of Sports Business Radio, which is presented by Mizzen in Maine, dress shirts and pants that feel like athletic apparel, wrinkle-free, and the most comfortable dress clothing I've ever worn. They even have boxers out now. Visit MizzenandMaine.com, enter the promo code SBR to save at checkout. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. And at this rate, Mizzen and Maine's going to be uh, designing cars soon, I think. They just keep putting out great product. I love it. Yeah, they do. And it's getting to be uh, winter and fall. Well, fall and winter. And, you know, they're tops. So they're, they're vests and they've got a bunch of good uh, clothing coming out for the, the colder months. So MizzenandMaine.com, enter promo code SBR at checkout. Griggs, we've got our first COVID outbreak and it's with the Tennessee Titans they played the Minnesota Vikings this past Sunday, and the Titans are not going to be allowed in their building until Saturday. Everything this week is going to be done remotely. Also, Minnesota has closed their facility. So, you know, now when something like this happens, you start tracing, right? And you see, like, who did our COVID positive uh, players or people who are part of the organization, who do they come into contact with? I think, and this has already been suggested this morning, I mean, you've got to postpone the Titans and the Vikings games this Sunday out of an abundance of caution, don't you? No, I think you're right. I think you've got to be uh, cautious, overly cautious, which I think closing both facilities seems the right move so far. But like you said, tracing, finding where this came from, if it was on the plane, if it was with the organization, where it came from, who these players were hanging out with. So with the NFL not being in a bubble, there's a lot more opportunity for these people and players to be around other people outside of the organization. So interesting to see how this moves forward. But I agree. Games should be canceled for those two. So Pittsburgh is supposed to be at Tennessee this Sunday. Minnesota is supposed to play at Houston. So you would think both of those games would be postponed. You would also think the NFL has had this as a backup plan, right? Like, you know, all the executives we've talked to since March when COVID hit have had contingency plans. They've been 
modeling different scenarios. You would think the NFL has modeled the scenario of, okay, we've got to postpone some games. What does that look like? And that they've prepared for the situation. The thing that is interesting is, you know, is it limited to just Tennessee and potentially Minnesota? Is it going to spread to other teams? I mean, this is where things could shut down real quickly, Greg. So remember, and this is what I always say, Rudy Gobert, Utah Jazz, one positive COVID test shut down the NBA, which in turn shut down the sports world in March. So now you've got multiple players on the Tennessee Titans. You've got multiple members of their organization who have tested positive for COVID. At what point, if things spread, does the NFL say, we can't just postpone games. We've got to like take the week off or take two weeks off or potentially, in the worst case scenario, cancel the season? Yeah, I think the scary part about the NFL is as far as professional organizations, it takes the most people to run an NFL team. So you've got that many more people could be potentially exposed. And like I said earlier, too, they're not in a bubble. So you've got two things that could be negative influences on uh, COVID for the NFL. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't work at the NFL, but if I did, these would be two of the contingency plans on the table. Number one, do we travel and play the game same day? I've suggested that before. You fly Sunday morning, you arrive in the city, you play the game, you get on the plane, and you come home. You minimize hotel contact and airplane contact and you know bus contact. You, you just play everything and travel in the same day. That's number one. Number two, is there a contingency plan to play in a bubble? And I know they wouldn't play all the games in one location, but you look at what Major League Baseball is doing with their playoffs. They're playing in four locations. NHL played in two locations. Do you have four or five hub cities for the NFL and everyone just says, all right, we're going to those cities and that's where we're playing our games the rest of the season. The NFL, I guarantee you, wants to get this season in. They have the most money at stake with TV money. They have the highest ratings, but you've got to have several contingency plans. And I'm sure they do, but it'll be interesting to see if we get to that point, because this may go away in a week. But if we get to that point, what are their contingency plans? Yeah, I think you're right. I love the plan about playing in like three or four locations. I think we've seen that work with MLS and NBA and all the other leagues. And that just seems like an easier way to make sense of it, especially with pretty much no fans at any of these games anyway. So what does it really matter if you're playing in your home stadium or not? So I think that would be an easy way to do it. Just get four locations and here we go. The rest of the season's played in these spots. You know, and college football has the same problem. We saw Notre Dame have to postpone their game this past weekend. We've seen outbreaks at Clemson and LSU and Alabama. The biggest programs in in college football have had COVID outbreaks and Uh, You know, they've had to postpone games or practices or quarantine people. So it's not just in the NFL. Griggs, the thing we can say with certainty, if you play inside the bubble, like the NBA has done, the WNBA, the NHL, MLS, there is a great likelihood you're going to be able to complete your season. If you play outside the bubble, like the NFL and college football and MLS is now doing with their regular season, there is a much greater chance that you're going to have a COVID outbreak and you better be ready to deal with it. And remember, these players are going home to their families too, Greg. So they're not just around their organization. They're going home to their families and you don't know where their families have been. So the amount of tracing that's going to need to be done here for teams like the Titans who have COVID in their organization because they're playing outside the bubble, it's going to need to be pretty thorough. 
Yeah, I think that's the scary part is they're going home to their families and, you know, most likely they're not going home and sitting in their living room for the whole week. They're probably seeing other people and going to stores and shopping and whatever it is. They're exposing themselves and the families to whole organizations potentially. So I think that's the scary part is when there's no bubble and there's no control. These guys, like you said, tracing is going to take a while and who knows where they're going to be getting it from. All right. Watch our Twitter feed closely at SB Radio at SB Radio. We'll have updates on this story throughout the week. Next headline, Griggs, the NBA Finals are set. The Miami Heat versus the L.A. Lakers. Smart to start on Wednesday night. You avoid the presidential debate, which is taking place tonight, Tuesday, the start of Major League Baseball playoffs, which start today, Tuesday. So the NBA, they always think about things like this. And if you want to have the most amount of people watching when, look, Griggs, we're playing in a sports calendar right now like we've never seen before, where you've got, you know, until yesterday, NHL, MLS, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, golf, everything's happening at once. So, you know, there's a little bit of a, a dilution uh, of the sports fans' attention. And, you know, if you're the NBA, I think playing on a Wednesday night when there's not NFL and there's not presidential debate, that's a good strategy. I agree. And like you said, NBA is always good at looking ahead of the calendar and not just looking at their own league. They're looking at, you know, what's going to compete with it. So, Smart for them. I think a lot of people are going to view that game one, especially because there's not much more going on at that night. So smart move by them. And uh, I'm pumped. I'm ready for a great series. It's going to be fun. Well, and look, I'm torn. Eric Spolster is a good friend. I've known him for a long time, dating back to his days where you know he grew up in Portland. Uh, I've worked with him. I've gone to the Philippines with him. Uh, you know, I have all the respect in the world for Coach Spo. But then on the other hand, I like Jeannie Buss a lot. She's been on the show several times. I know what it would mean to her to win this year, especially with the loss of Kobe Bryant. And this would be her first championship on her own without her dad being alive. And I know that would mean a lot to her. So I guess it's a a win-win. I'll be sad for whoever loses, but I have great respect for Spo and Jeannie Buss. Yeah, and I've had the privilege to meet both them too, and both awesome people, class people, just great leaders in, in their sport and their organization. So I'm just excited for a great series. I think it's going to go six or seven, I hope, because I think both teams are are playing really good ball. I think LA has a slight edge if they can stay healthy. LeBron's just a beast in AD. I just don't know how you stop them in a whole series, but uh, I think it should be back and forth and a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Spo knows LeBron well from playing in Miami for four years. You've got Pat Riley who, you know, can come up with some strategies, I'm sure, as well. So the two of their minds working against how do we stop LeBron. Um, And look, Miami is a complete team. And the job Spo has done with them this year is is just remarkable. I mean, a number five seed in the playoffs at the beginning of the bubble run, no one was talking about Miami to go to the NBA Finals. And the run that they're on, and, you know, we love seeing our friend Andre Iguodala do well. And, you know, they've got this blend of, of experience with Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala and Udonis Haslam. And then they've got youth with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And it's fun to watch. And it's fun to see how Spo, you can tell how he's brought them together. And he's developed those players. No one wanted Duncan Robinson. Um, no one thought Bam Adebayo would be what he is. You see, when you go to the Miami Heat, Spo gets the most out of the players that play on that roster. And, you know, I've said this before, if he's not a first ballot hall of fame coach, forget, I mean, just get rid of the hall of fame. Cause that guy is going to his fifth NBA finals as a head coach. And 
you know, he's done such a great job as a head coach with a stacked roster, which isn't easy to coach with all the egos involved there. But now with a team that no one thought was going to get to the NBA finals, I just give Spo all the credit in the world. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like you said, Miami is truly like a team. They have really won and got this far as a team. Every player on that team has played a role. And uh, like you said, with Tyler Hero, the rookie who's been stunning and just the youth that's come together with the leadership of Andre and Jimmy. And uh, yeah, Spo has masterfully worked that team into a fun and exciting team to watch in the playoffs. And I think he'll continue in this uh, next series. It's going to be awesome. All right. Other NBA news. This was a surprise to many. Doc Rivers out as the head coach of the L.A. Clippers. Doc did such a great job with the Clippers over the years, not only on the court, but off the court. You remember he had to navigate all the Donald Sterling stuff and the transfer of ownership from Sterling to Balmer. But I think at the end, Griggs, they're in a win now mode and Kawhi and Paul George can opt out after this upcoming season. And you got to win the title this year to get those guys to stick around. If not, they, they might leave. And if you look at Doc's track record of blowing three to one leads, he's he's done it three times. And I think that was the final straw. They should have won that series against the Nuggets. Credit to the Nuggets for showing heart and determination and, and coming back. But you're up 3-1. There's no reason for you not to close that out with that roster. And I think at the end of the day, Ballmer is in win-now mode. Now, some of the names being thrown around for that job, I just, I don't know that an old recycled coach, even if it's someone with the pedigree of a Phil Jackson is going to resonate with Kawhi and Paul George. They're really kind of the NBA player 3.0. I, I like what the Nets did by hiring Steve Nash. I think Nash can communicate well with players like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I almost think a Chauncey Billups or, you know, I even throughout Dwayne Wade or Jawan Howard, someone of that ilk, I think would communicate better with Kawhi and, Paul George, it's hard. I mean, if you're someone like Kawhi, you've won titles. Who's going to press his buttons to motivate him? Obviously, Nick Nurse did. But, you know, Kawhi was kind of missing in action the last couple of games of the Clippers Nuggets. So it'll be interesting to see Griggs. But that by far is the, the best opening. You've got the Clippers, the Rockets, the 76ers, the Pacers, and the Pelicans. Those are all head coaching vacancies. And, oh, by the way, We've lost two of the best black coaches in the NBA in the last month and a half in Nate McMillan and Doc Rivers. So I hope that they either find jobs with those teams or that we replace them with qualified black coach candidates because, you know, there's not enough black head coaches in the NBA. We've discussed this before. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think Doc and Nate are both going to find a home somewhere because they're just too good. They're too good. They've they've got a good track record. And I think Doc just struggled this year with with the Clippers. And I'm not sure really what the reason was. But yeah, you can't be down 3-1 a couple of times and not win. And I think it's a, it's a it, Clippers are a tough dynamic. You know, like you said, with Kawhi, he's an interesting guy. And just molding that team together, obviously harder than it looks. And uh, they came in with huge expectations. I think everybody thought the Clippers were going to be in the finals. And then uh, they just, they didn't get to that point. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, lots of coaching vacancies. And as always, the NBA offseason will be uh, pretty exciting. Griggs, the Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup champions. They beat the Dallas Stars. And here again, as we said to MLS and, you know, anyone who plays in the bubble and gets through it deserves credit. And the NHL came up with a plan. First of all, they went right to the playoffs. They were like, we're not playing any more regular season games. They played in Toronto and Edmonton. They finished up in Edmonton. 
they got through, I think, with zero positive COVID tests the entire time. That's remarkable. Zero. And now their season is complete. So they executed what they needed to, and they deserve a lot of credit for pulling off what they did. Yeah, I agree. And I'm a big hockey guy. I watched the whole uh, Stanley Cup series there. Tampa Bay, obviously the better team. They were ahead in every single game, I think. Uh, but always fun to see. I think NBC does a great job. The covers look good. The stadiums look good. You know, with no fans, they made it look fun and exciting. And uh, the players seem to get pumped up with it. So, yeah, credit to the NHL. Great job in the bubble. And uh, zero tests. It's phenomenal. I mean, they, they really did it right. And it looked good. And uh, congrats to the Lightning. Major League Baseball playoffs start this week. It's going to be different, Griggs. I mean, obviously, we're in a different season than we've been in. Lots of postponements in baseball. I'm not going to go on my rant on that. But they've got 16 teams that have made the playoffs. First round is the best of three. The home team hosts all two or three games. So there's no travel involved. After the first round, the next round features host city hubs in Los Angeles, San Diego, Houston, and Arlington. And then the World Series is going to be played in Arlington, in the Rangers' new ballpark. So that's how it's going to work. I guess October 28th is the latest the World Series could go. Uh, Texas is probably going to have better weather than most, and that's why they're having the World Series there. It's not like you're playing in New York or Boston in late October, and you might be looking at snow or cold temperatures. So uh, I think MLB thought this through well. I don't think something outside of a, you know, I'll call it a mini bubble. It's not really a one-location bubble, but... I think having host hub cities is the way to go on this. And we're going to see, can Major League Baseball get all the way through without COVID tests and, and anything being shut down? But they got through the regular season. It wasn't pretty, but they got through it. And now they're on to the playoffs. Are you going to watch? Yeah, I'm going to watch. And I know we were talking earlier in the season, like, is MLB going to make it to the, the postseason? And here we are. I like the three-game series for the wild card. That's kind of fun. Gives a little bit different, something to watch, a little different incentive. So I'm liking that. And I do like the uh, bubbles, and I think they've picked some pretty good spots. Like you said, weather hopefully won't play a role into it as long as the fires aren't too bad down in L.A. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'll be watching, um, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully they can get it through. Well, it's going to be crazy. I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, if a team like the Dodgers, who has been far and away the best team in Major League Baseball, on paper, they should walk away with this thing. But if they were to lose in the first round in that best of three, because in best of three, anything can happen. You lose game one. Anything can happen. If someone gets upset in that first round, it could be a blessing and a curse. Like it's going to be fun. Oh, Cinderella, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers knocked off the Dodgers. How cool. How exciting. But for baseball, I think that's a bad thing. I think you want the Dodgers, especially being in the LA market, you want them getting through. I'm sure, you know, if you asked the executives at Fox who have the World Series, what's your dream matchup? It's Dodgers and Yankees or maybe Cubs and Yankees, but uh, it's going to be interesting. This has been an unpredictable year. No one thought the Miami heat would be in the NBA finals. So are we going to have kind of a a surprise entrant into the world series? We'll see. Do you have any picks? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been trying to think about that too. Like, yeah, what if some Cinderella team we don't expect comes in here and wins a wild card series? I think you're right. I think Dodgers Yankees would be epic. I think that'd be awesome. Cubs are always fun to watch too, and they pull well with uh, with viewers. So, yeah, I mean, Dodgers Yankees. Let's go with that. All right, quick. Name one player on the Tampa Bay Rays roster. <laughs> you got me. See, and, and most people can't. 
And they're, I think, the number one seed in the American League. And they've had an outstanding year. That's the problem with baseball is we, you know, the best teams, we, we don't know the players. And then, you know, Mike Trout never makes the playoffs, even in an extended year. By the way, the Angels got rid of their GM and they just every single year, they're rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. How do you have Mike Trout, the best player of this generation, and you never make the playoffs? Even in a year where 16 teams make the playoffs, there's expanded playoffs. So if you didn't make the playoffs this year, that's really saying something. But, uh, you know, some of the most recognizable faces, we may know them on the field a little bit, but we don't really know much about them off the field. And I think that's a big problem for Major League Baseball. I'm going to be real interested with this diluted sports schedule to see what the MLB playoffs and World Series TV numbers look like. Let me just give you an example real quick, Griggs. We've got the 0-3 Jets and the 0-3 Broncos coming up on Thursday on Thursday night football. Okay. You would go, woo, that's a stinky matchup. 0 and three versus 0 and three. That game will get double the ratings of an NBA finals game and maybe triple the ratings of a major league baseball playoff game. It just goes to show you how astonishing the NFL ratings are. People can talk about, Oh, the ratings are down for the NFL this year. Any league in the U S would love to have a low rating of 15 million viewers. You're probably going to have seven to eight for the NBA finals. And I'm guessing you're going to have in the four to five range for MLB playoffs. So it just goes to show you that's an example of how strong the NFL ratings are on TV. Yeah, it's really crazy. We've talked about that for many years, how they are just the king. I mean, you, you can put two horrible teams up and people are still going to watch. It's just, uh, it's fascinating. And they do such a good job of, of just making it sound exciting and promoing it all week long. And they just pump it up. Like you said, baseball players, we don't know anybody outside the, of the diamond. You know, it's like, but NFL, you know the players, they're everywhere. They just do a better job of marketing it and getting it out there. All right. Again, follow us in between shows on Twitter at SB Radio and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. We'll have uh, updates in between shows. I will tell you, Griggs, we won't give it away, but I'm working on a very, very big guest that hopefully this person will join me in the next week or two on Sports Business Radio, and uh, it would be exciting to have this person on. Always love the tease, so I'm excited to see if this comes, comes to fruition. I'm excited. All right, coming up next, Jaden Grant, defensive back for Oregon State University's football team. What's it like practicing and playing in a pandemic? What about the rights for the student athlete? And how do you make a D1 football team as a walk-on? Jaden Grant, coming up next, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you're working from home now like I am, you still need to look professional. Many of us are doing Zoom conferences or FaceTime calls with business associates. That's why I turn to my Mizzen and Main dress shirts. I need to look good from the waist up, but I also want to be comfortable. Mizzen in Maine is like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for comfort while working from home. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head on over to MizzenandMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenandMaine.com code SBR. Guess what? Mizzen and Maine also make super comfortable wrinkle-free pants and shorts, so you can check those out as well. Head on over to MizzenandMaine.com. Use promo code SBR to get $10 off your next purchase. That's MizzenandMaine.com, code 
SBR. My guest is Jaden Grant. He's a defensive back for Oregon State University. You can follow him on Twitter at Jaden Grant. I have known Jaden since he was born. He's the son of my close friend, former NBA star Brian Grant, who played for the Portland Trailblazers and Miami Heat, amongst other teams. Jaden, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Thank you for having me, Burger. I'm, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. This is a kick for me since I've known you your whole life. But uh, I'm so proud of you and uh, the young man you've become and everything you're doing at Oregon State. And I thought it'd be great to have you on because what a weird time we're in in 2020. Let me start with kind of, you know, the season for the Pac-12 looked like it wasn't going to happen or it was going to be postponed to the spring. And now we learn there's going to be a seven-game regular season walk me through what your life has been like and your schedule has been like over the last few months um i mean the last the last few months has been hectic um to say the least with just so much uncertainty about a bunch of different things but uh primarily the season and uh the health and set from a health and safety standpoint on uh, whether or not we were going to get to play i know we got shut down and then that was kind of the time of most uncertainty because we didn't know when the next steps were. We were hearing we could possibly play later in the fall. We were hearing maybe in the spring. But um, it's good to be back in Corvallis and uh, actually have a set schedule and know when we're going to get to play as well as, um, you know, learning about the new testing system and the new protocols that should keep or, you know, make sure that every everybody <clears throat> is safe to play. How often are they testing you and, and what's that protocol been like? Um, I think during the season or whenever we start training camp, we're going to be getting tested daily, I believe. Um, I know there's a couple of different types of testing. Um, I think there's one testing that we're going to get every single day, and then there's another test that we're going to get weekly. I don't know exactly how that, how that works, but I know that that new testing is, is what it really allowed us to be able to come back and play. And then have you been practicing at all, or when they said, hey, no Pac-12 football in the fall originally, did you guys shut down any practice and training? Um, yeah, when they had said no Pac-12 football, we all had a, like a two a two week mental reset where a lot of guys went home, and then it wasn't too much longer really when we got the news um, that we're going to be able to play this fall. So uh, we we had stopped uh, practicing. We weren't really practicing. We were just doing positional work and um, some special team stuff as well as some walkthroughs. So um, we're back doing that, and I think we're doing that for the next couple of weeks before we transition to into into a camp. I know you're a competitive player. You walked on at Oregon State. You have earned a scholarship. But you guys aren't being paid, and NFL guys get paid. Is there any concern at all about getting COVID or the risk that's involved with playing this fall? Um, that's definitely a, a concern. But um, I believe with, with, these new, with the new testing and the new protocols, that um, it, it'll really keep it as safe as possible. So um, there's always going to be risk, and uh, everybody who decides to play accepts that risk. Um, it's really a personal decision. Um, the best thing you can do is support your teammates no matter if they opt in or opt out. Have you had any teammates opt out? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not aware of any so far. Okay. So the other thing that's been going on, and you've been very active in this, a few things. One the whole, you know, social justice issues. And I'm so proud of you for taking the stand that you have. Talk to our listeners a little bit about that. You've done that, you know, both in your hometown of West Lynn, but also 
on campus, and, and I know you've just been active on social media with the fight for social justice. Um, yeah, I, since the killing of, of George Floyd and some of the others, um, it's really opened, opened society's eyes to something that I feel like um, a lot of people were able to turn their heads on, but um, there's, there's no turning your head anymore. It's all right there in front of your face. And for us, um, collectively, you know, guys on my team, guys amongst the Pac-12, even just members in my community, you want to try to change areas where you can affect. So for us, you know, as football players, you know, we have a lot of people who may look up to us or may just listen to what we have to say because they follow us on social media because we play football or whatever. So um, my biggest thing is just reach the areas that I can reach, um, use my little influence that I have for the better, and really do all I can to to uh, fight for a real and systematic change. I'm not just post about it because I know I do a lot of that, but I, I try to follow that up with my work in the community, whether that's Westland, like you said, <clears throat> or whether that's here in Corvallis with this damn change initiative that we started um months ago. So yeah, just, I'd say touching areas that, that you can reach and, um, you know, just continuing to fight because it's, it's going to be a long fight as it has been, you know, since the foundation of this country. Explain that initiative that you started in Corvallis or that you're part of. Uh, so damn change is something that me and a, a bunch of my um, fellow African-American student athletes created and basically just an initiative to, um, you know, bring awareness and, you know, the same things I'm fighting for, you know, social, social justice and, and bring awareness to the injustice that is prevalent in this country. And um, that's the same thing, just trying to reach Corvallis, you know, for us, it can be used, you know, for for certain athletes, you know, to make it make their experience a better place here. And then also, um, like I said, you know, we have people who follow us in this community or people who are, you know, big Beaver fans to touch those communities as well. And um, a big emphasis that we have on that is, um, you know, the youth. And also right now during this time, I know the election's coming up. So we've, we've done a lot with the election. Um, actually, a couple of my coaches and I, uh, we worked and kind of thought of ways of how we can really, uh, you know, touch our own team. So we ended up getting everybody registered on our, our team to vote, which is, which is pretty cool in my opinion. No, that's very cool. And and that's what everyone should be doing right now. We've been talking about that on this show. You know, everyone should be voting, but especially athletes and athletes like you who are using your platform. You know, only 50 percent of Americans voted in the last election, and we need that number to go way up. Something else that you've been vocal about, college athletes' rights. What changes do you want to see made there, or at least what conversations do you want to see had that, that may not be taking place? Um, you know, I, I was a big advocate, you know, loved working with and still working with, you know, the We Are United group. And it's, it's really just to unite us all together. Um, historically speaking, there's a stigma that, you know, college athletes didn't really have a voice, um, and that our rights are really taken away by the NCAA. So, um, you know, a big step, I think, in the right direction would be creating a players association, you know, that can advocate for all student athletes and um, have some official form, you know, that you can go through to actually see some change <clears throat> like a players association. So I just feel like ultimately I, th I think athletes deserve a lot more uh, collegiate athletes. And um, ultimately that's what, that's what we really want to see uh, to keep it brief. So what else would you want? I mean, a lot of people listening to this go, Hey, college athletes get a scholarship and, and, 
you know, there's other benefits that come your way. By the way, I'm in the camp of athletes should be paid. I'm not in the camp of you receive enough with a scholarship because college athletics is, is now a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry. So what specifically, if you form this players union, what specifically would you want? Is it payment? Is it something else? What is it that you guys are striving for and, and women? Um, I mean, just to keep it simple, I would just not to, you know, get too complex into it, I would just say, just say more, um, you know, the fair treatment of all sports, preserving our sports was a big one. And in a time like COVID, um, like the coronavirus, we want, you know, health and safety protocols you know, that we that we know we're sure that we're going to be safe. And then even just to touch on the compensation piece, like you said, the billion dollar industry, um, you know, the student athletes, I know student athletes who their whole entire check is almost taken by rent. And after that, they're sending their check back home. They're sending it to their family, you know, who come from low-income communities, or they're sending it to their kids or taking care of their children or whatever it may be. But um, with all the money that college sports does bring in, I do feel like those athletes do they do um, deserve more. And I don't know whether that will be a change we'll see, you know, relatively soon or not. But I know that um, we'll keep fighting for that, uh, keep fighting for what student-athletes deserve. What other, I guess, advantages would you say a student athlete might have? You know, I know on some campuses, student athletes have their own housing. Um, sometimes they have their own training facilities and eating facilities. You have tutors, things like that. Give us a little bit of a glimpse of what does a student athlete's life look like in 2020? Well, there's definitely a lot of luxuries as well you know, to being a student athlete. First of all, if you're a, if you're a scholarship athlete, you do get your education, which is amazing. And we are all thankful for, um, you know, here at Oregon State, we get two meals a day and we have a system that allows us to eat at some other spots. <clears throat> uh, like you said, we get tutors, which we're very fortunate with, and um, you know, academic advisors who really help us and keep us on progress to achieve all of our academic goals. And then I would just say, um, you know, like nutritionists, we, we have a lot of stuff. strength staff. Um, there's a lot of luxuries of being, of being a student athlete. I don't want that to get, you know, I don't want that to be <clears throat> kind of fuzzy. That, you know, us as athletes, we are appreciative of what we have. Yeah, but again, I'm going to say that you deserve more. And in a multi-billion dollar industry, you deserve more than, than you're getting. And especially this year with the risk that student athletes are taking in football and probably basketball coming up and a few other sports, it's different than in any other year. So that leads me to my next question, mental health for athletes. I interviewed Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, a couple of years ago, and he talked about the dropout rate for freshman athletes because they were burned out from just trying to get that scholarship to get into college, and then they got to college, and it was like they were spent. And the burnout rate for freshmen is at an all-time high. What's being done to help mental health for athletes on the college level? Well, here at Oregon State, we're very fortunate to have a thing, you know, much like what we've created, Damn Change, but it's called Damn Worth It. It really is. Its, it's goal is to break the stigma on uh, mental health, especially for student athletes. You know, as a student athlete, you have so many different responsibilities. You have your responsibilities not only as a student, just like every other student in school, but also in your field of play, in your athletics. So <clears throat> that can be a lot, you know, for 18 to 22, 23-year-old, you know, young adults. So that's the area that, you know, I really 
take a lot of pride in. You know, I struggled with my mental health as well before, and I think the best thing that you can do is talk to somebody and also know that it's okay to not always be strong all the time. It's okay to be going through some things. It's normal, actually. And um, there's no shame or no problem in asking for help. That doesn't mean you're weak. I actually see that as a sign of strength to be able to admit that you're not always strong all the time. Yeah, it's interesting to see Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, Dak Prescott recently. A lot of athletes are coming out and talking about their mental health struggles, so it probably does make it a little bit easier for college students and in you know younger people. You know I have a high school daughter to come out and, and talk about struggles that they may be having with mental health. Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly why um, you know I, I've shed light on, on mental health before, but I've never exactly told my story but that's been something that's on my mind a lot lately because like I said just trying to use my influence you know to touch others maybe if I if I told my story you know loud and clear for all those who follow me to view they might be inspired to you know ask for help or realize that you know everybody goes through through these things and it's okay well anytime you want to tell that story if you feel comfortable you're you're welcome telling it here but you know, you're you're a strong young man, and you've uh, you've done some great things. Speaking of which, you've already graduated, right? Like you you fulfilled your undergraduate degree requirements, correct? Yes, sir. That's amazing. So, what did you study? So I studied new media. That was my undergrad, and then I got a minor in business, so I can you know do what I'm doing now, start my master's in business. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. There's no question that live sports and entertainment events are changing as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. To ensure a strong recovery that keeps fans safe and engaged, sports venues are reimagining game day with Boingo's 5G connectivity solutions. Boingo Wireless helps partners across the NFL, NBA, MLS, and NCAA redefine the in-venue experience with 5G-ready cellular and Wi-Fi 6 networks that power new, touchless technologies. From contactless ticketing and security and in-app food ordering to IoT robotics for cleaning and maintenance, Boingo's backbone of wireless connectivity makes new stadium use cases possible. Choosing a digital transformation partner you can trust is key to achieving fan experience goals and following rigorous health and safety protocols. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They help world-class venues navigate a complex and ever-changing technology landscape and have done so for 20 years. I recently had Austin FC President Andy Lochnane on Sports Business Radio. Here's what he had to say about Boingo, Austin FC's 5G partner. A relatively competitive process led to a relatively easy decision. The decision to go with Boingo was one that came with a lot of comfort and confidence. Now more than ever, staying connected is what matters most, and Boingo makes it all possible. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. If you need a trusted partner for your network and digital transformation needs, look no further than Boingo. Learn more by visiting boingo.com or emailing sbradio at boingo.com. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Everyone out there listening to this, here's a young man that walked on to Oregon State. You played high school basketball at Wesleyan High School in Oregon. You won two state championships. You were the captain of that team. Three, three, state, three state champions. Excuse me. Uh, you played with, uh, played with Peyton Pritchard, who played basketball at, at Oregon. And 
when you walked on at Oregon State, I mean, I know you're a confident kid, but that's a tall order to make a D1 football squad. What was your mindset walking on? I'm honestly just taking that competitiveness, not even taking the competitiveness, just realizing that, you know, I, as much as I love basketball, I was a competitor first. I, I love competing more than anything, more than I love basketball. So my transition to football was just to be that same guy I was, you know, I have that same competitive edge about me. But even more so now because I'm entering a whole different sport that, you know, I'm, I'm going into college with guys who've been playing this their whole life. And I just started months before. So really just, you know, attacking everything with the same mentality. Um, you have to have some fearlessness about yourself as well. And then my biggest thing was just how much I've learned from other people. Being a sponge, coming into a sport that I know I didn't know much about. So who was I to not listen to, you know, somebody who was trying to help me out along the way. And that goes for coaches that goes from um, you know other coaches that weren't weren't even my position coaches um, and most of all my teammates you know who really helped me along the way and embraced me so you played one year of high school football right yeah I mean that's amazing and then you walk on and you play d1 and you get a scholarship it's almost like a movie um, you had a pick six last year against Washington you were at home. What was that like? I mean, that's got to be a dream come true. Um, I mean, that it was honestly something that I, that I never dreamed of because I was always a basketball player. It was something you know bigger than I could ever dream of because I, I could never have seen myself playing um, college football. But when I look back to that game, I actually don't think about that player. You know, I think about the plays that we, myself and as a team, we left out that game because I think we lost that game by like 10. I think it was 7 to 17 or 7 21 7. So, um, I, I try not to focus on, on the plays you know, that I made last year. And um, I really just focus on all the plays I, I left out and um, plan on not leaving any out there this year. So you've got how many years of eligibility left at Oregon State? Well, I have two more years of eligibility left, but with this season not counting, I guess if you include this season, it'll be three seasons left. Wow. And yeah. do you have aspiration? I mean, hey, I'm not betting against you. Do you want to play in the NFL? Oh yeah, of course. That that's been my uh, my goal and my dream ever since I, st- I started playing, you know, collegiate football to make it to the next level. So that's what I've been working for. That's amazing. All right, so I got to ask about your old man because I know he's going to listen to this. <laughs> he played what twelve seasons in the NBA. Like I said, Portland Trailblazers, Miami Heat. You know, six nine power forward had to guard guys like Shaquille O'Neal and Karl Malone. How much did you pay attention to his career and, and those battles when you were a kid? Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, all the memories you know, that I hear about from back here, I was just a baby. I think I was, you know, one or two years old when, uh, you know, he got, in, got into it with Malone and Malone busted his eye. And uh, I do remember the Miami days, though. Um, and that was just awesome. Man. You, don't, you don't really realize, you know, who, who your dad is until – after you're not living that same lifestyle anymore. So when he was a player, it was just a normal thing you know, mm-hmm. for me to go to my dad's games. Like I get way more excited going to a Blazer game now than I did, you know, going to one of my dad's games back then because it was so regular for me. So, um, you know, it's been really cool. And the best thing about it was just the wisdom that he's been able to give me, you know, not only on the court, but, you know, off the court as well, which has helped me tremendously in, in what I'm trying to achieve off the field. Yeah, I see that you guys have that same kind of hard-nosed, you know, never say die, never quit mentality. I think it's neat that that's 
rubbed off on you. One more thing about your dad before I get to your mom, because she's very accomplished too. Your dad has Parkinson's disease. He was diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's disease. You've been very active with his foundation, the Brian Grant Foundation. I know you've spoken at the banquets and, and things like that. What has it been like helping your dad since he revealed that he has Parkinson's? Um, I mean, that, that takes me back a while ago, 2008, what, 12, 12 years ago now. Yeah. So. Oh, I remember that first feeling of just hearing Parkinson's. And it, honestly, it was just, I, it wasn't really no fear. It was just a, a place of the unknown. We didn't know much about Parkinson's. I mean, he, he didn't even know much about it at first either. But, um, you know, it, it was as soon as we launched the Brian Grant Foundation in 2010, um, I feel like everything changed. It, it wasn't so much of a, a scary thing anymore, but it was like, look how many people, you know, look how many people's lives we can touch. I know my dad's always felt that, felt that way. You know, he's never felt sorry for himself. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the same way. Um, he saw it as an opportunity to, to really help people's lives. And um, who would I to be if, if he saw it as an opportunity to help people's lives to, to sit here and, you know, feel sorry for him. Um, I, I want to do the same thing. I want to help in the Brian Brown Foundation. I want to reach as many people as we can. You know, so we help people who have Parkinson's live their everyday lives and really enjoy their everyday lives. Yeah, that's been one of the great things about his foundation. I remember going to New York with him to meet Michael J. Fox, and Michael J. Fox's foundation is looking for the cure. But there wasn't really a foundation out there who was helping people living with Parkinson's from diet and exercise. How do you tell your family that you have Parkinson's? How do you tell your employer that you have Parkinson's? And, and the Brian Grant Foundation has done such an amazing job with that. And it's really cool going to the banquets and seeing all the people that are being touched by the Brian Grant Foundation. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, that's one of the things that, um, you know, it was so evident that that very first gala, um, it was just so evident how many, how many people's lives that we could touch in the foundation. So the foundation is something that, you know, I take immense pride in. Um, we have an amazing leader, Katrina Call. She's the best. Um, don't know where the foundation will be without her. So just looking forward to, you know, continuing doing great work with the Brian Ground Foundation and me personally helping in every way I can. And, you know, hopefully someday if I make the league and I, you know, have a big salary, it'd be cool to come back and, you know, donate a million dollars or something like that to the Brian Ground Foundation. Uh-oh, your dad and Katrina are going to hold you to that if they hear this now. <laughs> they, don't even have, they don't even have to hold me to it. Man. So your mom is a rock star in her own right, Gina Grant, and and you know I've known your mom a long time too, and and she's very involved with Zumba, one of the co-founders, master trainers. I'll let you tell more about your mom, but she's amazing too. I know you've gotten a lot of your wonderful traits from her as well. Yeah, honestly, um, my mom has really shaped me into the into the man I am today. Um, just the person she is. It wasn't even what she said to me to teach me a lesson. It was just the way that she lived life and the way that, you know, she loves her family so much. Um, it makes me, you know, really embrace and love all my, I'll love all my people so much and never take any of them for granted. That's something that my mom never does. She never takes you know any situation or anybody for granted. She always lives her life to the fullest. And, uh, she's just such a bright spot in my world. And I do not know where I'll be you know, without her the same way that, you know, my dad gives me that advice, you know, gives me that competitive edge. My mom gives, my, gives me that competitive edge almost almost more than my dad. I mean, she's a, she's a warrior and she's a fighter in her own 
Um, I don't know where I would be without her, you know, on or off the field as well. Well, and the one thing I know about both your mom and dad, they do not mince words. They get right to the point. And <laughs> <laughs> so that's good that you've had that. And I think it's, it's led to the young man that you are today. Cause, uh, like I said, they, they tell it as it is, as they say. <laughs> no, they definitely do. Um, and they, uh, they definitely pass that along to, to me and my siblings. So, again, you were captain of the basketball team in high school. I know you're a, a very great leader at Oregon State. What makes for a good leader? Uh, what makes for a good leader is to, um, first of all, you got to lead by example. You can't just talk the talk. You, you have to walk the walk. Um, another thing is you have to understand what, what it takes, you know, um, just throwing back to Westland, you know, we won four state championships at Westland from my freshman year to senior year. And um, by the time I was junior, senior, that's when I was the captain. And um, just understanding, you know, what it takes to want to achieve your goals. So for us that, you know, those state championship years, we all understood what it took. So it was pretty easy to leave. Um, you know, here at, here at Oregon State, I would say my biggest thing about being a leader is um, – just being able to put your teammates, you know, in front of yourself. You, you do whatever it takes, you know, to win. You do whatever it takes for the man next to you. And that goes all the way back to your preparation. That goes all the way back into the physical work that you put in. You know, that goes all the way back to putting your body on the line, you know, to make that one play. And um, I think I think that's what it means to be a leader for me. So what lies ahead for Jaden Grant? I know you said you want to get a master's in business. You've already gotten your undergraduate degree. You want to play in the NFL. Uh, how do we make that happen? Um, we win football games this year. <laughs> yeah, seven games. I mean, that's kind of a sprint, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But, you know, I like – don't sleep on us. I mean, people can sleep on us all they want. Um, they'll see soon enough. Um, I'm confident in my team. I wouldn't trade them for the world. And um, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to turn some heads and shock the world this year. How do you seven games that we do get? Yeah, how do you train different for seven games versus uh, you know a regular season? Well, I mean, it's tricky this year because we haven't had that consistent training, you know, or that set structure of time of okay, we're going to train hard for these weeks and then we're going to go to camp for a whole month. It's nothing is the same this year. So um, for us, it was always about staying mentally sharp. We knew we all couldn't you know be in the building together doing what we usually did. So it's kind of on everybody, you know, their own individual efforts to keep themselves prepared and um, to get ready to go out. And like I said, the understanding of knowing what we want to achieve this year and the, the understanding of knowing what it's going to take to achieve those goals that we want to achieve. So that was the biggest thing for us, just, just staying mentally sharp, um, and, you know, holding ourselves accountable while we were all away from each other. Did I read that every team in college football is bowl eligible this year? I, I, I saw something about that as well. I don't know, but, um, Either way, even if it wasn't, you know, this team has goals of, um, you know, being more than eligible. So we'll see what happens this year. Okay. Before I let you go, I'm making you for this conversation the czar of college sports. You can change three things. What do you change? Ooh, if I could change three things about college sports, um, the first thing would be all sports will be preserved, you know, whatever it took. Um, second thing would be 
having some sort of official voice, you know, like a players association, I don't know the dynamic of what it is, but an official voice that can really get real change for, you know, what the athletes collectively want to get changed. And then um, the third, <laughs> let's just say uh, third would be fans and games this year, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good one. And hopefully that will be back next season. Uh, I think it's probably the right call for this season to not have the fans there, but uh, I'm sure it, it's so much different not having fans in the stadium versus having, you know, all the people there. Yeah, I've been watching some of these college football games. I watched the LSU game yesterday. I think they had 10,000 fans there. And, you know, it's the right thing to do, but it looks a lot different and sounds a lot different. Definitely, definitely. But, I mean, we're all adapting. That's, that's kind of what 2020 is. Yes, it is. Jaden Grant, defensive back, Oregon State University. Follow him on Twitter at Jaden Grant. Jaden, so proud of you. And uh, keep up the great work. Have a great season, and I hope to see you soon. Thanks, Berger. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on here. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. CBDMD is the official CBD partner of Sports Business Radio, and I couldn't be happier. Their products have made a huge difference in the quality of my life, my daughter's life, even our dog's life. I was having a difficult time sleeping, and CBDMD CBD PM drops and capsules have allowed me to sleep better than I have in years. CBD Freeze has been amazing for my daughter and I after we work out. Even our dog loves CBDMD's soft shoes. They've got a great array of products. And one of the things I like the most about CBDMD's products, they're all THC-free. That was very important to me. CBDMD is also the first American CBD company to be publicly listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Check them out under the ticker symbol YCBD. Athletes such as two-time Masters champion golfer Bubba Watson, former NFL wide receiver turned broadcaster Nate Burleson, and UFC athletes Daniel Cormier and Chael Sonnen use CBDMD's high-quality products. Change your quality of life just like I did. These are anxious times for a lot of us, and CBDMD's products have helped me sleep better and just live a, a higher quality of life. Visit CBDMD.com and enter the promo code SBR to save 25% off at checkout. That's CBDMD.com, promo code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends from Boingo Wireless, CBDMD, and Mizzen in Maine. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.